The Inside Vegas podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network, as well as the Inside Vegas podcast. With the upcoming UFC mega fight this weekend, Conor McGregor steps into the Octagon Saturday for his first UFC fight in two years. You can bet on anything and everything on MyBookie.ag, including if Conor McGregor, Khabib Nurmagomedov will win straight up, or whether Khabib will deliver a first-round KO. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. This is one of the, one of the best bets that you will make all season is signing up with MyBookie.ag. Bookie.ag. Enter promo code SGP100 when creating your account to claim up to a $1,000 bonus in free play. If you need a reload, SGP50 gets you a 50% reload bonus. And if you're waiting to wait, if you're willing to wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern time, get an extra $25 in free play. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out on the World Wide Web at oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, and now NFL lines are available on the app. The best part, BetQL is free to download from your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co to download the app today. Today is Friday, October 5th, and if you are a Patriots fan or a Patriots backer, you look to be very happy getting to the window or looking as if the Patriots are in complete FU mode again. Uh, great Thursday night game. Uh, I guess it wasn't that um, entertaining outside of if you were in the prop market or you were sweating that back door. Uh, but we have a little bit of a different twist on Inside Vegas this week. I'm so excited for this guest to talk to you guys about basically probably the most unique uh, point of view as a different handicapper talking about handicapping either the NFL or the NCAA season as the the most, basically the first quarter of the season has been all NFL. We're going to switch gears and we're going to go to the NCAA for our weekly consensus best bet. Uh, and we're bringing on Eric Olson, who is a contributor and writer for sportsgovernmentpodcast.com covering the Big Ten and all things NFL draft for us. And if you're not familiar with Eric, um, probably my favorite Twitter uh, handle in the world outside of maybe Monique's at Parlay Queen. Um, but at I played D1. Eric Olson was a starting right tackle for four years for Northwestern University. Played everyone, played with um, Trevor Simeon, brought Northwestern, helped bring Northwestern to their first bowl game in a very long time when he was there, uh, was a four-year starter. And so we're going to look at really, again, the, one of the most unique guests we have because no one else um, outside of you know people in that world uh, can give you what players, people who are actually in this locker room, uh, take into account. And we get into everything and everything, whether players are aware of gambling lines, um, if they, you know, look at that type of stuff. Obviously, we break into, you know, if they feel as if they are a public, a huge public favorite, if they even know what gambling lines are. And we break into Eric's personal story of basically why he chose Northwestern and kind of what that meant towards, um, you know, he had offers from Michigan, um, a ton, you know, a ton of other uh, schools out there um, that were recruiting him, kind of why he broke into uh, starting at Northwestern, um, how he got started in football and everything and anything that he takes into account. Again, a lot of these coaching coaches and players and stuff like that were, are all still at or just left Northwestern. So I think this is probably one of the most invaluable guests that we've had because he provides such an outlook. You know, we talk about things as if, uh, you know, do players really look at uh, situational spots back, you know, sandwich games road scheduling, um, travel, how that actually affects a player, I th you know, and especially one 
with, you know, that got into gambling after uh, he was done at Northwestern. Um, I think it is, you know, absolutely crucial to get it straight from the horse's mouth on what players actually take into account, why why players and teams come out soft on, you know, these, these look-ahead lines and these uh, scheduling spots that we as gamblers can, you know, look at. But why is it in, in 2018 are these situational spots and players still coming out flat? I think it's one of the best interviews that we've ever done on Inside Vegas. I'm, I'm so happy and so excited um, and thankful that Eric was able to take the time uh, to talk with us. So again, I, I hope you guys enjoy this. Again, you can find him on Twitter at iPlayed D1. This is Eric Olson, formerly of Northwestern University, four-year starting right tackle. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, you can find him each and every week on the SGP network on sportsgamingpodcast.com doing the Big Ten preview. And uh, for many people, I mean, I'm sure people that, that listen to SGP or read SGP.com know this at this point, um, you know, kind of where you played and the reason for that um, in the Big Ten. Um, and so for, you know, kind of keeping with this different handicapper, uh, looking into different ways to handicap ones or different ways to handicap games, rather, I think that this is probably the most unique one. And I don't think a lot of people are going to necessarily necessarily you know be able to put themselves in your shoes and kind of what you can provide so i in one aspect i don't expect people to kind of be able to apply this a ton but i think that there could be a lot of takeaways um when it comes to trying to get inside people's heads and you know inside of a locker room um so again joining me is eric olson on twitter at i played d1 i think it's my probably my favorite twitter handle <laughs> of anything that anybody around here that i know maybe monique's is pretty good but that one's that one's probably you know 1a to ones uh to that i love man so how are you today what's going on in your world buddy uh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, I actually, today was my last day on my desk job. Uh, I took a job with DraftKings. I'll be starting up in December, so I'm about to do a, a month or two of travel. So today was an exciting day in my life, but other than that, not too much. How about yourself? No, man, that's awesome. Are you going to Boston to work with DraftKings, or are you doing it like remotely? Uh, I'm doing it in Boston. So I, uh, I'm using, I, I have a degree in predictive analytics Right. Um, so I'm going to be doing some uh, business, I'm going to be a business analyst for them, kind of just studying uh, the consumer behavior of people using the uh, using the product. So it should be interesting, have, have some uh, interesting insights there. Good for you, bro. So let's break this down into people who kind of may not know kind of your story and kind of how you got playing, you know, started playing uh, or how you ended up rather uh, at Northwestern. And again, you know, first bowl appearance in some time there when you got there and kind of, you know, maybe people you play with, all that type of stuff. Kind of what led you, let's start with, I guess, where at the beginning was, was the high school career, right? And kind of what led you to ultimately end up um, to the decision to go Northwestern and kind of your time playing at Northwestern. Yeah. So uh, growing up, I was always a basketball player, actually. Uh, from the Boston area, just like you, yep. baby fucking whale, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was always a basketball player, and I uh, I actually transferred to a, a private school. I know it's pretty common for kids um, up in that area to do that to help get recruited for basketball. And uh, the school I, I transferred to ended up having a really good football program. Um, and the guy, the coach, saw that I was a you know big kid who could move his feet a little bit, and he was like, "Dude, I think you could be a def- you could be a Division One offensive tackle." Um, it was kind of wild. I didn't start playing football to my sophomore year in high school. Things happened pretty fast. Started putting on some weight, uh, by my junior year, had, had some offers to a few places across the country. Um, ended up narrowing it down to, to Michigan, UVA and Northwestern, um, was really looking to try to, you know, use football to give me a good education too. And, you know, a couple that with a team that was successful, um, at the time that was when Hoke was at Michigan. So that program was a bit down and I just, I fell in love with coach Fitz you know, the academics they have there and how they help you if you're not not pursuing a career in the NFL afterwards. So fell in love with Northwestern, went there, um, ended up having some success, started, I think it was 34 games, a right tackle. Um, like you said, on my first year, was was Northwestern's first bowl game, and I forget what the number was, but it was something something ridiculous. And uh, 
was a part of some some really good teams at two 10 win seasons had an absolute blast playing there met some of my best friends um at the end of it i was kind of a you know i was, I was a good college player not necessarily a guy that was projecting that great to the nfl uh i had a few surgeries and decided that i went to northwestern for a reason to get a good education help me get a good job and decided it wasn't worth it to really pursue the nfl and you know maybe get a camp invite and stay 320 pounds for an extra year when I didn't need to do that. I was, <laughs> right. I was pretty ready to start bat, not bashing my head in and, and drop some weight and live a normal life. But yeah, that's kind of my background plan. It's so interesting, man, again, because not many people can kind of relate to that. And so what is, I guess my biggest question to that is kind of what does the draft process, you know, look like to maybe somebody that, you know, it, obviously you didn't start out with the goal to play in the NFL, right? And I think that if that had kind of happened, you know, if you had gotten maybe, you know, positive grades, maybe your priorities in life would have changed. But for somebody that was looking yeah. to kind of, you know, do both, have fun playing, playing ball at the, at the yeah. highest level in the world, but um, to look next level is not a lot of things that, you know, not a lot of college athletes do. Um, so what does that kind of draft process look like? And was that kind of your decision that led you um, to, and obviously that's why you picked Northwestern, but once you kind yeah. of, you know, and again, you didn't really know how good you, you were right. until you got oh, in there, no, right? Transitioning there late. Um, what does that kind of process look like? And what was that, you know, decision ultimately like for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you would ask me after my uh, second to last year playing was probably my best year on the field, uh, I definitely was planning on pursuing it. Um, and then my senior year, injuries were starting to rack up. Um, I didn't have as good of a year, um, partly because of the injuries, partly because I, I think I think I got a little too heavy, didn't have as good of a year. So my prospects looked a little worse. And again, like you said, it was I never was one of those guys who came into the program like, you know, I was league or die. There's guys who come in yeah. and that's all they care about. I had a bunch of other interests and, um, you know, just the culmination of things. I just decided that it wasn't worth it for me to to keep going forward with that and, you know, get the Instagram picture of me in a mini camp and then, you, and then get cut two <laughs> yeah, weeks later. Hey man, people will die right? for that, you know? I mean, I thought about it. Don't get me wrong, but I, I had to, ha I had to have an elbow surgery after the season. So I wasn't going to be able to do, um, any of the pre-workout stuff, like the, whatever the workout stuff, the pro days. Um, and it just, it, for me, it just didn't make sense. I, I, I just didn't want to have to rehab when I was a fringe guy, rehab, get back and being a kind of a fringe NFL guy. Anyway, it just, it didn't really make sense for me. No, oh, man, that's, that's such a great outlook on life, bro. And again, not a lot of people have that and, and you did the right yeah. thing, bro, for, for sure. And, you know, taking your future into your own hands. So I want to, you know, maybe, maybe something that people maybe told you wasn't the greatest thing for your future. And that's handicapping again, writing for, <laughs> for SGP and kind of, you know, when we initially started kind of this boom of SGP and the SGP network, um, you were one of our first people that came on to write, uh, specifically for college football, the big 10 did some draft stuff for us. Um, so I guess I, you know, I'm not, you know, nobody's ignorant to think that college, athletes don't look at lines or they don't know what, yeah. what gambling is and all that type of stuff. And by no means do I want you to go, you know, deep into this, that, that you don't want to, um, but kind of, you know, just how, you know, where you got started and kind of handicapping and whether, whether that was at college or, you know, kind of outside yeah. or just as deep as you can kind of go into what brought you into this world. Yeah. Well, first I do want to just say that I am, I am by no means a professional and right? I do not do this as my, as my day job like you do, Christian. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something I've always been interested in and I'll say that, in regards to people knowing spreads as players, I, I think it's just, it differs a ton. Like I did because I was interested in that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm just a regular dude from, from suburbs of Boston who happened to play football. Right. So, you know, I was reading barstool, stuff like that. You get exposed to, you know, that kind of world. And, and I was, it, it just interests me a little bit, but then at the same time, you're going to have other guys who wouldn't even know what a point spread was. Right. So right. It, it really differs at Northwestern. I think you, you get more of the guys like me who are kind of just, average dudes who happen to play football, you know, playing fantasy and whatnot. And 
you get exposed to some of that kind of stuff. Whereas then there's other guys who is just is completely foreign to them and they couldn't think twice about it. So it really differs. I was aware of it. I was always very interested. I was very excited to stop playing, began to bet on sports. So that's one of those things, right? It's so weird when you immerse yourself in this gambling world, you know? And so you think, you know, how does Absolutely. a, col- how does a college player not, or even, you know, uh, anyone, how do they not know what a point spread is? And, you know, it's just, you would think that that stuff is so ingrained into them because it's so ingrained in kind of the way that we do things, but it's so funny when right. you really, you know, break this down to different people I've talked to and they're like, yeah, like some yeah. people, it's just not even on their radar. And I completely understand that when they have aspirations of, you know, so many bigger and better things than, than gambling, you know? Um, right. so it makes a ton of sense, but I guess we should parlay that into what is, you know, again, using, you know, when you have been doing stuff for SGP, the biggest thing that you have kind of used again, using the big 10 previews, all that stuff, betting games in the big 10 where you came from how can you you know what is you would say your biggest kind of way to use your playing days and somebody at that plate has been able to you know be inside locker rooms know how coaches think literally coaches that are still there players um still there all that type of stuff uh to kind of get you know use that in your handicapping and kind of the biggest advantages that you have well i'll, I'll say this and i think i think it's kind of interesting because i've seen you uh talk about this and you're 100 percent right that there's going to be this kind of weird uh, transition with with analysts, you know, on ESPN or whatever it is, former players who are now going to start getting into this gambling world a little bit, and it's different than analyzing the game as a former player or as a sports analyst, right? Like that's not how you handicap sports. You 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 bet on sports, and I took me a little bit to under kind of understand that and not just trying to use the eye test and what what I know about football X's and O's wise, instead kind of look at it, take my playing experience, and then look at it also through the eyes of the way professional handicappers do and think about the situations more so as opposed to the, you know, just eye test X's and O's type stuff. So, you know, think back to games I played in where we completely outperformed expectations. What was it about that spot that made us show up? Like I remember my senior year, when I started paying a little more attention to the point spreads, we were 14 and a half point underdogs going to Iowa. We won that game outright by 14. Why, why did we show up in that game? We were one in three or oh and three at that point. We had lost to Illinois State, Western Michigan, and you know to the public, obviously that looks like we're just a terrible football team. But if you really dug into the scores, we lost to a really good FCS Illinois State team. Western Michigan ended up going undefeated that year, and we lost on the last play of the game. We really weren't as bad of a football team as it showed. Super motivated to get that first win, have a history going against Iowa. And, went in and showed up in that spot. So, so thinking about situations more holistically, what could go into it? What could be the motivations, things like that, I'd say is where I really try to use my experience to help me. Yeah. And we've seen that play out in the big 10, the last two weeks, right. You know, two weeks ago, um, you know, me personally being on pretty with team that was super hungry for their first win. That was my lot. That was my lot. I was on that with you, man. And then it didn't, it didn't work out this past week being on Nebraska in basically the same exact situation. So um, yeah. it, it's so interesting, you know, when you talk about spots, this is, I think it's so it's, this is you know, kind of why I'm so excited to have you on here to talk about these things that gamblers think of that maybe players don't. And, you know, you hear all the time, the sandwich spot, right? And so as a yeah. player at this point, you know, how many times can you see another team of Virginia tech lose to ODU, how, uh, an SEC team that is, you know, facing an FCS school that begins SEC player, a big 10, whatever the case may be out of conference in between two conference games or whatever it is. Uh, and they lay an egg in that spot. And at this point yeah. in 2018, after players have seen this so many times why is this still a thing do you think so so what are you asking why like specifically it happen yeah like situationally situational spots that you know gamblers of all people know about the sandwich spots just as an example yeah. continue but yet here in 2018 after right. time and time again uh 
teams continue to kind of show up and just not show up rather and just, you know, using Virginia Tech as the example of the last one, but it happens yeah. week in and week out in these specific sandwich spots, you know, you being there and, and seeing those and playing in those sandwich spots, yeah. why is it such, you know, just we'll use that one as an example is such a letdown of a scheduling spot. Yeah, I, I think that, so first of all, coaches are extremely aware of the, these situations and coaches, you know, go into the meetings on Sunday nights before the week of practice are going to say, you know, this is a huge spot for a letdown for our team. So, you know, let's be really on the guys in practice this week and, and kind of pound that into them. And I think that in a way almost has a bit of a reverse effect is that, you know, you're kind of you realize you're approaching this week a little differently and, and these coaches keep pounding on you to not, you know, not let down, like don't play down your competition. Like we're better than these guys. And I think that kind of subconsciously kind of ends up working out the other way a lot of times, you know? And I think that's a, a real issue in, in a lot of different ways that the, the coaches, football coaches across all levels have kind of failed to evolve and thinking that the best way to get performances out of their players is just pounded into their heads as, as much as possible. Right. And it's just, it's just kind of human nature to push back on that a little bit. And I don't know. It, it turns out in these weird results where you see teams just underperform what they're supposed to do. What was the weirdest or hardest kind of uh, situational spot scheduling quirk, you know, back-to-back -back road games, the three in a row games in a row. What was the hardest thing for you as a player to kind of, you know, um, you know, call it a sandwich spot, whatever the case may be. What was the hardest thing for you situationally as a player to kind of have to get yeah. yourself up for, do you think? I think it'd probably be schematic going against different schematic, like different schemes on defense, mm -hmm. like Wisconsin preparing for Wisconsin. They run this funky free that man down front. That is just the most annoying to go against as an offense lineman. And it, it freaking works. I mean, their defense is this year, not so much, but the defense has been in the top 10 of the country the last five, so years. Um, so I think switching between very differentiating schematics is really hard, especially for an offense lineman. I, I'd say especially. Uh, so, you know, maybe looking at teams that have, they're coming off playing a triple option or just play two spread, two spread them out teams that are playing a triple option the next week. I know as an offensive lineman, at least those were really, really difficult for me. Yeah. And again, you know, when we tr look at trying to, trying to apply this, you know, one of the reasons I was on Clemson so big against G Georgia tech is they basically faced the same option, the JV version at Georgia Southern. So yeah. I basically had two tie, you know, two options, yeah. two ways to prepare that. Um, and for me, as you know, speaking to the big 10, I want to bring this back to, you know, where you've made your home and, and you know, made a, a nice little niche uh, betting in there in that world. It's one of my favorite leagues. And I'm not just saying that because you're here because number one, as you know, I'm a huge under player. First half unders there, yeah. you know, the, the Iowa, Wisconsin under is probably first half under is my biggest bet. Basically, of, of the season every <laughs> single year. Um, there's another one here. Bookmakers have kind of caught up with in the SEC. Iowa, Minnesota at 42. Yeah. Um, F, uh, uh, Florida, LSU, and the SEC is another yeah, one, but they, yeah. they kind of caught up. But there's certain spots. I, as an under player, this league to me is absolute porn. Um, the, the kind of recreational betters can have their Oklahoma, Texas Tech overs, and I will take a Big Ten under every single year yeah. um, or every single day. So I wanted to ask you kind of, was that something, you know, the style of, of a Big Ten offensive lineman, you know, is completely different than the Big 12, you know, a little bit similar to the SEC, um, but it's, yeah. you know, it's so much more important. Was that kind of what drew you to um, going into that conference in that league? Yeah, so a couple things there. One, one thing that's interesting is that when I went, when I was going to Northwestern, I, they were just coming off uh, the Dan Persa era. So they were a completely different than every other big 10 team. We were the highest scoring offense from 2010 to 2012, right when I got there. So we were a completely different team than we were when I left. And we transitioned much more into a, a traditional big 10 team. You know, I, I played with Justin Jackson for three years where we were making our bread and butter running the ball. Uh, so it's kind of interesting for me, actually, in, in that way that when I went there, I kind of was thinking that I, 
I, you know, I had a basketball background. I kind of prided myself on my foot speed, being able to stay in front of people. So I kind of thought Northwestern was a better fit for me in that way. So kind of actually the opposite of what you're saying. But then as my career went on, we kind of shifted philosophies. And now, you know, we've seen Northwestern with a lot better defenses over the last few years, running the ball more. So we've kind of gone through a shift. Um, and yeah, it's interesting when, when we've played teams out of conference, SEC excluded, I played against Tennessee and Derek Barnett would my ass up and down the field. Um, <laughs> but I know when we played pac 12 teams, it, it's, it really is noticeable. The difference in physicality, right? We beat Stanford and yeah. speed and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And even Stanford, man, we, we beat Stanford in our place. Um, the year they went to the Rose bowl, the Christian McCaffrey year. Um, and I was just so underwhelmed by the defensive line. I, we came in thinking, you know, all week, the narrative was, Hey, we're just playing another big 10 team this week. Like, it's going to be a physical grind it out. And I, I just remember being really underwhelmed uh, with the level of physicality, of the defensive line. Uh, we played Cal twice when I was there. One of the years I started, it was actually my first ever start. Jared Goff tore us up, um, but uh, their defensive line was, was, was just soft. Um, and I, I really do think there is something to that. Maybe, maybe those are two extreme examples, but um, I really do remember noticing the difference. Yeah, no, it makes to- it makes so much sense, man. Because when you think about this, right? You know, how many times are these old school guys going to say, you know, games are won and lost in the offensive defensive line? And for teams that really value that, like the Big Ten going out against teams that don't really value that a lot, they value, you know, Oregon's of the word Cal- Cal's. Uh, they value basically everything except that. You know, it's high flying, yeah. it's lasting that has the ball, um, is going to score and and win the game, that type of thing. Um, but again, different ways to kind of look, you know, go about it. I I do wonder. I wonder if there's you know a trend out there that's you know Big Ten versus Pac-12 or or whatever the case may be that maybe i don't know you know how, a way to kind of quantify that of maybe when yeah. it's a, you know the offensive line and defensive line is so you know vastly you know the big 10 school is so vastly superior while the other ones yeah. aren't um but again that's that's probably a conversation for another day i want to bring this around to the weekend so as i told you guys in the beginning in the intro we're, we're going to get to our best bet uh, for this week, that will be on last. But I want you to I want you to kind of break down this weekend um, from the unique point of view that really only you can here. Um, so let's we're just going to break this down kind of rapid fire. Um, as you know, we'll save kind of uh, the best bet for the the last one, so we won't touch on touch on that one right away. Um, but let's start off with a couple of Big Ten games. We can go with um, let's start with Maryland and Michigan. Maryland three and one, Michigan four and one. I mean, God, fourteen nothing to to your boys at Northwestern yeah. last week coming back. God, man, um, I was going nuts in the stands. Yeah, no, tell Heart, me about it, man. No, tell me all about it and tell me kind of what you think about this, you know, having what you know looks like a, a letdown for Michigan coming off that surviving, kind of what that does to a team is 17 and a half point favorites. Again, total at 47 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been a, not a Michigan believer all year. I have been dying on the hill of that. I do not think Jim Harbaugh uh, is a big time college coach. I, I just don't. I think he's great for coming in, um, getting a spark out of your program. You know, he has all these, these antics where he, uh, comes in with his khaki pants. He has sleepovers with his recruits, but he, I just think he, he grows people tired really quickly. And I know people who have coached for him. I was sorry, played for him. Uh, I know people who know him and they kind of say the same thing that it, it's kind of a shtick. He, he's just not that smart of a guy for lack of a better word. And I've been kind of a, a Michigan seller all, all, all year. And I was really happy to be able to get those 14 and a half points last week at home. I, I hammered Northwestern. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting spot. Uh, Maryland has been one of the most up and down teams this year. I was all over them against Minnesota when they wiped the floor with them. Um, I I still think it's too big of a number. I I think Maryland is is a decent team. They obviously have good enough guys to go out and play with um, another school that has, you know, huge recruits like a Texas. So uh, if I were to take a side here, I'd, I'd go with Maryland in the points. 
All right, man. Well, the next one, you know we're going to go here, and that's Northwestern <laughs> at Michigan State. Michigan State, as it reads now on mybookie.ag, 10.5 point favorite for Michigan State, total at yeah. 43.5. When we look at this last year, again, high-scoring affair, Northwestern winning 39-31, um, as I believe a pretty size, I think it were an underdog in that situation. Multi- multiple OTs, we were a small underdog. I was at that game, yeah. Yeah, um, so um, kind of, you know, again, no, nobody in the world better to talk about this game, so I'm going to give you the floor yeah. on Northwestern Michigan State. Yeah, so... I'll give you a little stat here. We are eight and one against the number in our last nine times as double digit dogs. And we won five of those games straight up. And one of those includes the Michigan game last week that I argue we should have won. Now, normally I would absolutely, absolutely love this game. I'm still going to be on the cats because I think we do do so well in these double digit dog spots. Uh, But it does scare me that the public's on us now. I think we're getting about 70% of the bets and I hate when we do, we just <laughs> always do better when we don't have the public on us. That's why I loved us so much last week. I think the line has moved against the public towards Michigan state, which always scares me a little bit. Um, and I, I think that's a product of that. People saw us play close with Michigan. People are a bit disappointed with Michigan state. Um, and I'm kind of iffy on Michigan state too, but again, I'm going to go back to that eight and one as a double digit dog. That's when we show up. We need to write this ship. Give me the cats and the points all day. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. All right. So if lastly, in the Big Ten, before we get to our best bets and a couple other games, uh, yeah. Iowa-Minnesota. I know you wanted to talk about this game. As it stands again, mybookie.ag. Iowa, seven-point favorites. Total sitting at a nice Big Ten number of 43. What do you think? Yeah. I love that Big Ten number of 43. Yep. Uh, but I, I like I like, uh, I like Minnesota, the home dog here. Um, I know people are pretty kind of down on them now after they just laid an egg against Maryland. Last week, and in reality, they're probably, you know, a six, seven win team that we're going to typically see out of Minnesota. They're going to play good defense. They're going to have pretty good offensive line play. And Iowa this year is a pretty typical Iowa team. They're nothing that special. They're good. They'll grind their way to nine wins, you know. Uh, But I think seven points is just too much. And I think that's a a big overreaction to the the Maryland-Michigan, the Maryland-Minnesota game from two weeks prior where Maryland kind of wiped the floor with Minnesota. I think in a low-scoring game like this, these two teams know each other. They're always kind of grinding out games. I think seven points at home is a really good number, and I really like Minnesota. I love it, man. I love it, I love it, I love it. And I want to bring I want to bring this back to something that you just said, and you said the public being all over us. As a player, now I'm not sitting here and, tell, and, and asking you if, if players on, and on each team are looking at sports insights or looking at what various <laughs> bet slips are, but is that something that you can kind of feel as a player when maybe a bandwagon is, you know, people are, there's more people at the games, uh, whatever the case may be, or is it something that really you just don't even know unless you're into that kind of gambling world as a player? Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's definitely not, you know, I, I've only, I have my sports insights accounts since I stopped playing, but uh <laughs> But uh, so, so as far as, you know, the actual numbers of that, at least when I was playing, that wasn't a thing. Maybe it, it would become more now, now that it's much more public information, but it, it's a feel thing and, and you can definitely feel it. But, you know, at the same time, though, if I'm in the Northwestern locker room right now, when I was playing, I think the world's against us again, right? Just because we're, we have this poor record, we're going, we're a big underdog. I, I wouldn't know enough about the gambling world to be able to say, well, actually 68% right. of the bets are on, you know, not to that extent, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a feel public perception thing. Makes so much sense, man. So Larry, let's get into, I want to give you the floor, anything that you, um, had, we're going to get into our best bet right after this, but anything that's kind of, um, your point of view that maybe nobody else really, unless they played has and things that maybe a 
a casual gambler um, can kind of use into the repertoire of somebody that's been in the locker room. Again, talking more of the mental uh, spots, situationally stuff we kind of touched on, but just anything um, that maybe a casual gambler should be looking at to kind of incorporate into their handicapping from a player that's kind of been there and seen it, um, and especially one that kind of knows and knew of the gambling world while they were there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'd go back to the situations, but I'll expand on it a little bit. Uh, I, I think something that's really important to consider a lot, especially when you're not as deep into the season, um, is just kind of consider the narrative of each team and, and what are going to try to think about what, what would be what would be going on in this program, you know, after this loss so and so and piece it all together. What is the narrative going to this game? I think that's really important. And it's something that when you're playing in a week, you kind of the coaches will kind of try to rally you around and whatnot. So kind of trying to paint that big picture of what what is weaving in and out of what each game was and, and what that narrative really means. And then on top of that, um, I love, love just looking for deceiving scores and trying to exploit that next week. So one of my favorite games this week, uh, I, I love Cal getting that, that short line of two and a half. Uh, I, I don't know if you watched that Oregon game, oh, but that I was, was all, not, I was all over Cal in that game, buddy. It broke my me heart. Too. All, all over Cal in that game too. I loved fade in Oregon after that, uh, that last game. But I, I think this week's a great time to ride Cal. I think that they had a, a really deceiving score last week. I have this whole spreadsheet that um, measures out all the, the the five factors, yards per play and uh, conversion scored in the red zone. And, and it gives you the post-game win probability aside from actually looking at the score. So you can see teams that actually were a lot, did a lot better than they, than it looked like in the final score, maybe even should have won that didn't win. And, and Cal's one of those teams this week where the, the final score was not quite indicative of that Cal Oregon game. So. Um, yeah, th- things like that, you know, you weaving the whole narrative together of the story and then not necessarily as much of a player, but just thinking of the way that I approach handicapping. I love looking at deceiving scores where I know the public's going to think a certain way. When if you really kind of dive into that box score, you can find some edges that way. For sure. And how many times are you going to say, you know, the final score was this, but really that game wasn't as close exactly. as, or they deserved, you know what I mean? If you just look at a final score um, as a casual gambler, maybe one of the most detrimental things you can kind of do when you're starting out here. So I can absolutely agree with you. Um, all right, man, let's break this down. We're going to finish up with our best bet. We're going to go to a team that, uh, the team that burnt me and me trying to go against them again. I'm so glad that we're going back to this. Well, because, uh, again, I, I took them at a live number taking Mississippi plus like, basically 14, um, 80% of the tickets on, uh, LSU last week, they still cashed. I'm looking really stupid holding an LSU under six and a half wins, uh, ticket here that maybe could be done in, in two weeks that I could use as a, as a paperweight here. So let's go to LSU. Uh, going to Gainesville, Florida, LSU again at mybookie.ag, two and a half point favorite and a SEC Big Ten number of 43 and a half as the <laughs> total here. So let's release this as our consensus best bet. I want you to take away or take the floor and kind of uh, bring me through, through your thought process here. Yeah, so I'm going to be taking Florida. Um, you can get plus three, I think, at Bovada right now and a few of the more public shops. Um, but again, I, I mean, my, one of my favorite spots in, in, in all of college football is just finding these short home dogs in conference that the public's not on. It's worked for me every game this year that I've done it besides the Oregon game where it should have worked. Uh, some of my, some of my best, my, my favorite plays this year were Texas against, uh, USC, uh, Oregon against Stanford, which I'm still pretty salty about Penn state last week and that short number covering. Um, and, and I just, I think these are just the best spots, a, a home dog against a team. They know this is Dan Mullen's first real big game in Gainesville. I think Florida is a little bit better than people think they are. They have a really good defense and then going back to kind of deceiving statistics. And I, I really don't think LSU deserved to, to win that game against Auburn. 
I think they're getting a little too much credit for that. I was actually at the LSU Miami game. I thought that game had a lot more to do with Malik Rozier's issues than it did anything LSU did. Joe Burrows is yet to throw an interception. Florida leads the tied for the lead in the country with Kansas, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in taking takeaways. And that, that's just something that has to regress. I think this is going to be one of the first games we start to see Joe Burrow as the average quarterback that he really is. Maybe a few turnovers. Uh, and I think that LSU is just overvalued as a team. And again, I can't just say it enough. Small home dogs with the public off them in a conference game on national TV. It's just always a spot I'm going to want to be in. I love it, bro. Um, I love that spot as well. Again, I, I tried to do this last week. It didn't work out. Uh, so we're going to go right back to the to the well here. We're going to go Florida plus three at some of the more recreational offshore offshore shops, right? Or more public offshore shops yeah. uh, right now. So I absolutely love this as well. Um, let's play a little on the money line as well. But we're going to go Florida plus absolutely. three as our consensus best bet. Um, again, man, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Um, again, as, as two Boston guys sitting here talking about sports gambling as somebody that went to Northwestern, man, it's, um, I think it's so valuable. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time bro and please enjoy um enjoy the time back in boston and, and kind of getting back into things in the, the gambling world with DraftKings, bro i wish you nothing but success thanks man i appreciate you so much for having me on and that will do it with eric olson again formerly of northwestern big 10 consensus best bet for the week florida plus the three available at pretty much everywhere um plus two and a half so probably out there somewhere go ahead and buy that hook and again i'm personally playing a little bit on the money line there is no better value into the you know, into the Big Ten and his insight. Um, they're getting it straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, there is OAG this week. He'll be back next week on the Inside Vegas podcast. So I hope you guys have a fun and profitable both NCAA and NFL Sunday. We will talk next week, guys. Mm-hmm.